This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss I guess um, where I wanted to start off was when I listened to the record the thing I kind of got from it is that each song seems to be about a very kind of self-contained story and yet what unifies them is that they're all very kind of small intimate stories that maybe wouldn't always be the the focus at the center of a song have you always kind of been drawn to that form of storytelling kind of looking at the very minute yeah well i mean um it just so happened that every song was about a person and these songs it feels kind of like to us it feels like a compilation because um you know the, the oldest song on it was written about five years ago and the newest was written about a year ago yeah we do like to go for the um you know Mundane, the mundane subject matters is just easier to sort of. Well, yeah, the the devil's in the details, sort of thing. Exactly. Um, but it was purely happenstance, so we didn't intend to do that. It just it was only on, only on reflection. We noticed every track was about a was more of a sort of a story rather than sort of painting uh, an emotion exactly. or, or something like that. They're all very much uh, self-reflective, uh, you know. Uh, inward-looking songs, but it is just easier to to be vulnerable when um, it's you're doing it through the vehicle of something or someone else, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's that kind of age-old thing that you can tell more about the person describing the object rather than the description itself, ra- rather than the object. Exactly. Itself. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the idea. Is it a different thing for you writing about a person you know as opposed to someone you've just read about? I, I, I think it's easier. You can be more fantastical. You can be fantastical with people you know. But <laughs> You're you always to... fantastical. Yes. Wake up but fantastical. 
<laughs> yeah, but you know, if it's with someone you know, you kind of have to uh, shroud it, depending on the uh, perspective. You don't maybe don't want yeah. them to know it's about them. You know. Would you change the name? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So Jenny isn't actually called Jenny. Jenny was someone we knew, but her name is not Jenny. But <laughs> her name is in the song, but I won't say what. Her name oh, for is. God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait. So does Jenny know the songs about Jenny? No, she doesn't. She doesn't. She probably doesn't care about us. <laughs> I mean, she may, She's may, got bigger maybe fish now. To fry. Maybe now. Maybe now you've just told everyone. <laughs> they said yeah. the fucking lyrics. <laughs> yeah, the devil is in the details. When I mean, when you're writing a song about something like that that you knew, are you very much trying to kind of condense them down into several of their main characteristics, or how are you kind of approaching working them into a song or oh, writing a song oh, through no. them? Really, just whittling them down to like a really basic, uh, you know, caricature. No, no, I, I don't think it's really such an honest depiction. We like we don't really know her that well, so it's just like a starting, like a starting off point. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's actually less personal than the, than we're sort of intimating. Yeah, yeah. It's in no way a personal attack on anyone. It's just. Um, it's a sort of tried and true subject matter that one, uh, you know, and it, we I guess we wanted to um, do something in in that vein. This this that's the song that I mentioned that's five years old, so it is a little bit hard to um, talk about why why we sang about Herbert. Sung, sung about Herbert. She was just a typical <laughs> who's, who's uh, Herbert. Jenny, uh, Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Herbert just spoke to us, I suppose. You mentioned as well that when you don't know the person personally, you can kind of make it a little bit more fantastical. Would that apply to something like Mumu Nashu as well? This kind of <laughs> cow god figure. Um, <laughs> you can I just say, where, it's, where, it's, it's such a pleasure hearing those words echo, echoed out of someone else's mouth. Because <laughs> we've been living in this little Mumu Nashu thing for too long and it's, it's, it's like having it out there now is truly gratifying. It really is to hear, to hear a man in Aberdeenshire relaying that word to us because that's the only made up character of the album. Uh, that and obviously Jamborini. Obviously. Mumunashu was just um, a character we kind of came up with in a, in a bout of insanity. And um, I guess it was in our heads, it seemed to be some sort of fawn, some divine fawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A bush creature. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, just, I really. Uh, I mean, we we have actually attempted to sort of codify the yeah yeah the, the world, but it's impo- It doesn't work. So better leave that one uh, ambiguous. Yeah, it was just nice to um, sort of picture some characters and uh, try and you know give them um, a presence on the album. Yeah. Yeah, we just love yeah. the, the phonetically the word Mumunashu. I think really stuck with us for a while, and then it got to a point where we were actually changing certain lyrics in that songs that we were performing with the word Mumunashu. And I guess putting putting him or her or it onto this album is sort of getting it out of our system. <laughs> that'll be the end of Mumunashu and Jamborini. Yeah, yeah, Kafasis. Yeah. yeah. How does Jamborini relate to Mumunashu? <laughs> Were they very much coming from the same... Um... Jamborini came later, didn't he, Jules? Yeah, well, we, we pictured a sort of epic rivalry Yeah, uh, between them. 
Yeah. And again, yeah. we tried to sort of put it to paper, but, you know, why was the... We, was yeah, yeah. I think the, odds, the conclu- prevailing conclusion is that, you know, acid is a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. But the sort of, their presence on the album, album was, I guess, came from the fact that that last song the final smackdown between mumunashu and jamborini um it was one of those titles when you save a logic project you just write the first thing that comes to your head so um and then it just it just stayed and so when we wrote up when we wanted to do skits we thought let's kind of play on that and uh, you know try and uh try and push this as a a a faux concept album it's it's also noteworthy that pretty much all our song titles came about that same way yeah yeah well yeah not really on on this album Uh, maybe yeah maybe but certainly at the moment, it seems like unable to uh, move away because you just, yeah, you just do the first thing that comes to your head and then you know it as that and you can't possibly think of that song as something else. So now our songs are called like Saba and Samusa and all this just ridiculous words. Yeah. But that function as well for someone like Thank You All Shards. Like, does that start from the title in any way? That started from the chords actually the chords for the chorus were knocking around for a while and then the hook the backing vocal hook came in i guess it was a, a, a time where that was really an important part of my life was that crossword so i just love writing odes um and i guess that comes from my love for um people like jonathan richman who you know have so many songs about like things he loves like vincent van gogh or baseball players or even like a chewing gum rapper he sees on the floor and yeah i i love that idea of of um writing an ode to something mundane but important to you and then it's it always ends in a kind of morose introspective way and that brings it back to you and your your sadness and plight. There is a sweetness about that song overall as well, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, it, it's definitely yeah, a very innocent, innocent subject matter. And and mm. it, I don't know. I mean, that's that's an example of becoming fantastical. Obviously, I don't know Will Shorts, but if you listen to the lyrics, like, sounds like I'm trying to imbue his his crosswords with um, pain. You know, like he's he's <laughs> trying to hint at his own. Uh, it pain in his crosswords, which is a ridiculous. <laughs> well, you are you saying that he's leaving clues to his own <laughs> yeah. mental state <laughs> exactly. in the crossword? Yeah, maybe he is. He's trying to he's trying to tell us something. Yeah, could be, could be. He's hurting, man. It should be noted that he's the editor, and they have various. I've got the crossword in front of me right now. Um, do you still do it every day? I do it most days, most days. I have the app now. But for example, this, <laughs> but I got the paper today. Um, this one, the puzzle is by Kevin Patterson, but Will Shorts just edits them. Um, he makes some. Will Shorts' time is more invested now in uh, ping pong, actually. He's a oh. competitive ping pong player and he. Really? He heads a tournament in America, yeah. How old is he? He's in his 40s or 50s, I think. Oh, but you, you should to, see him move really, around the court. Here's a really interesting thing, actually, I read. Um, he did his first ever crossword in November of 1993, which is the, the month that I was born, and he did about one a day. And so he did his 10,000th 
I happened to uh, keep track of when my 10,000th day was coming, and it was but a few days after Will Shorts's 10,000th puzzle was published, which is kind of cool. Wow. Yeah. And this was, uh, you found it after you wrote the song, obviously. Yeah, I found it out, you know, yeah, about a month, it happened a month ago. Dude, it's fucking beautiful, man. <laughs> Pretty awesome. About, like, around about the same time as the single came out, which is just mad, and I wanted to try and talk about that publicly but people would have thought you know no one cares <laughs> yeah. I care man thanks man what's your kind of uh, optimum day because they get harder every day in the week right yeah yeah exactly I'd say Tuesday is great Monday is almost too easy Tuesday and Wednesday is great I've read somewhere that Thursday is the hardest and and Thursday and Saturday are equally hard and Friday's not as hard I don't know I think but, Thursday's the same one as Sunday, though, isn't it? Like, they try and yeah, match the difficulty. That's it, yeah. Uh, are you a big crossword guy? Nah, not so much now. Used to be a little bit. Because when you get the paper, there's always one kicking about, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Which, which one would you do? Uh, if I was getting the paper. Yeah, yeah, which paper? I would probably just get the Times, but oh, not yeah. the New York Times, the British. The, the, do you do the cryptic one? No. That's yeah. too too challenging for my yeah. <laughs> I've never capabilities. Tried. Mm. But yeah, I always thought it's interesting what you're saying there about kind of finding the darkness in the song. Is that almost like if you imagine what it's in there about how the puzzle gets harder as the week goes on, could you see that as a reflection for you kind of going through the week? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, there's the lyric... Uh Every, Every Monday. Monday, yeah, you make me hungry, and by Friday I feel so ugly, and that's, yeah, I guess, that's well, just pretty uh, standard, you know, I, I feel good when I can do the crossword all at once, and I feel bad when I get stumped at the first hurdle. But I really, I think that the reason I chose to add the whole subtext of Will Shorts being a sad man is just, it's, you know, it's easier to write a sad song. I and it's more i you, it's just more interesting than writing just a plain song about how much you love crosswords although there's there's merit in that i mean it's mostly that but i just i don't know it, it just the subject naturally tends to go that way i don't know why maybe that's more about some me drama yeah what uh what else helps get you through the week then if we've got the crossword every day what are the other little things in the day that help see you through uh apart from like poached eggs um and a nice, nice bath. Not, not much, yeah. really. At the moment, certainly, yeah. The, those things. We, me and Jules both love to cook. So yeah, f food, nice meals. Yeah, I had some Turkish eggs this morning. Oh, nice! What they with the yogurt? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yogurt. But I put the garlic in the in the chili butter instead of the instead of in the yogurt. Just take the edge off a bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, a bit of dill. Oh, good shit. Radishes. <laughs> Okay. Mushrooms. I was thinking next time I'll do it with labneh instead of yogurt. Oh, you whore. Yeah. <laughs> there is, it is crazy to think about the link between like food and mental health though. Like if you just eat shit all the time, you feel awful. Oh yeah. Whereas if you try and like eat a balanced diet, it does help in a really kind of big way, even if it is just subconsciously. For sure. Yeah. 100%. We, uh, I've, yeah. I've stopped eating a whole packet of biscuits mm. every night and uh, <laughs> the be the benefits, so I mean, they speak for themselves. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, you know, we're talking about the kind of sweetness of enjoying the crossword puzzle and how you were trying to find the darkness in that to create a slight tension. When it's a story like 
Joyce Vincent. Are you almost trying to do the opposite? Are you trying to find a light in that story? That's a very interesting point. Um, I guess so. Again, it would be... uh, I don't want to say too easy, but maybe so. Yeah, just to write a sad song about a sad thing because it's an incredibly sad thing. Yeah, I guess... guess I guess that was subconsciously an effort to offset the uh, the sadness, add some sort of um, fantastical element. Of course, you know, she has relatives and friends who who you know. We have to be sensitive with topics like these, but again, but at the same time, the whole point of this song is she didn't really have anyone who was able to know that she was dead for two years in her house, so. Yeah, I guess that is what what I was trying to do. Yeah, I mean, when you listen to it and you don't know the story, and you kind of have those lines about her, you know, dancing up and down the corridors yeah. on a Friday night, that sounds really bright. But then when you know the story, there's almost like an eeriness to it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I kind of wanted it to sound yeah like a kid's like a children's book story. You know, little Joycey. Um, You're fucked up, man. It's fucked up. <laughs> But I like, yeah, I guess bittersweetness is something that I really, yeah, I love bittersweet melodies and bittersweet subject matters. Um, You know, like the beat, the Pet Sounds is a great example of an album that does that. Or Hey Ya by Outkast. What's what's he saying in uh, Hey Ya? He's talking about, he's talking from the point of view of a guy who is trying to, convince a girl that he loves her but really just wants to have sex with her oh right and leave her oh how's that like yeah. uh, Joyce because it's a it's a happy crappy song but with a sad oh got you dark yeah subject matter when you when you read that story for the first time and you think about turning it into a song does your mind immediately go to that bittersweet idea no to be honest but uh, I I guess I uh, I think a couple other people have written a song about her, about that, you know. The movie as well, I think, wasn't there? There was. I haven't seen it. There was a there was a no. documentary called Dreams of a Life. Yeah, I tried watching it, but it's it's all these people. I, I didn't really. I, who are the, who say they were the, her friends and they're all, all quite sad about the whole thing? But I don't know. It just doesn't add up. Like, how come? Uh, they couldn't have been that fond of her. <laughs> if they didn't check on her for two years. You know? Yeah, even if someone's pushing you away, if you really care about them, you still put forth the effort. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's harder though, because this was in the days before like social media and stuff when you could just text someone or try and Exactly, phone. yeah. And there's all these horrible little details about the story, because obviously it produces a smell, but her neighbours um, thought that the smell was coming from the bins, which was right oh. next to her flat. Pretty you know? harrowing stuff. Harrowing, yeah. Yeah. When when did you first come upon that story actually? Uh a while ago actually. Um Well, yeah, two two years ago. That's that's when it was written. I I don't know how but it just it just came up. Probably something in the New York Times. Yeah, maybe maybe something something like that. Was that the first time you'd heard about it? Yeah. Yeah. It was like 2 years ago I was in bed uh with a broken foot, Achilles tendon, surfing the internet all the time and, and came across it and thought it would be good to write a song about it. It was just like, yeah, I don't know, it really um, resonated. That all, the, all the imagery connected to the story was sort of very potent. 
kind of adds another layer of sadness to it too when you'd never heard about it yeah yeah exactly when you read that does it kind of make you think about your impact on the world and your impact upon other people do you kind of frame some of the deeper themes of that in the context of your own life? Absolutely. I mean, I, I thought it was quite fitting that it came out uh, this winter, which is like, to me, seemed like a time where um, a lot of people were struggling with mental health. And um, it seems like a collective feeling of loneliness and, uh, you know, isolation, obviously, uh, at the moment. And it, it does... I was, I mean, I did hope that the lyrics resonated with people feeling that way and not that it offers a solution, but it's just nice to uh, hear a take on, on it, you know. Was that kind of part of your thinking when you released it? No, no. actually, it, it just happened to, um, I mean, it was written before COVID even happened and then it just so happened that it came out at that time and, and it was kind of perfect, really. So, yeah, we were going to have a music video that um, sort of sort of echoed the, the, these sorts of these ideas of um, it was going to be an animated video by a friend of a friend. It got he pulled out, unfortunately, at the, about a week before, which is why we ended up with this kind of slapdash uh, video on YouTube. I don't know if you saw it. Um, is this the one where you're playing guitar? Yeah, and there's the VHS. I quite, I quite like it though, with the kind of like uh, VHS footage of like the sea and stuff. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's um, yeah. It was just so this guy who was going to make this animated video of the the, the kind of um, embodied the original idea of it being like a children's story. It was going to be of a, a woman in her flat and she's like flies away and uh, I don't really know. He sent us a storyboard. And then, yeah, I unearthed all this uh, VHS footage that I'd had lying about, uh, some of which was from about three or four years ago when we lived in Bristol, and some of which was from Brighton, obviously the sea, and, and the Starling footage was from then. And we, yeah, just spliced that together. And I, thought, I thought it looked thing. wicked, man. Thanks, dude. Bit, bit of a blessing in the end, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I'd say There's so. something nice in the simplicity of it, mm. especially when the story is kind of touching upon those themes because a lot of the video kind of shows you together doesn't it yeah kind of just hanging out yeah 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 exactly just uh, kind of juxtaposes the mm. story itself yeah exactly exactly I guess mm, that's it where did the Eddie Murphy video come from <laughs> <laughs> uh, well it was just uh, pretty much the first idea that our mates shot back at us and uh, that's it we just didn't, didn't really look, look backwards from there so it's a, the song uh, is kind of, uh, I guess, a bit absurd in its uh, lyrical content, if you can even call it content. <laughs> so it was just felt fitting, you know, just kind of bring out the, I guess, satirical sort of element of it, you know, sort of not the, you know, play on the lighter side of it because it's quite a unashamed like R and B tunes, quite cheesy. So it'd be good to just sort of embrace embrace that a bit, you know. It's interesting that. You know, what we've kind of been talking about here with those two music videos where you obviously explore the story in the song and then you get an opportunity to explore the story or the themes from another point of view with a music video. Are there any other ways you have that you can kind of examine it in another form? Well, you know, I, I draw, I do some like cartoons. Jules is a great uh, illustrator. Cartoons and stuff. It's kind of what I was 
Well, I used to sort of, that was my main thing when I was a kid. But I, I, I do kind of see them as separate things, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, just kind of coming at the story from different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. but that said, we are, um, you know, we have been talking about trying to merge those two worlds. Uh, Jules, obviously, Jules loves to draw, uh, and I like to write. And we were talking about doing a children's book, which got half written and then abandoned about a couple months ago. How come? Um, I guess just it's, music was more of a priority at the time. It's still there. I still, I think, I think it still will get finished. Um, but a rather nice way in which Jules's drawings are getting. Um, uh, brought in is uh, well if you see the uh, the images of the vinyl that's coming out that's unfortunately been pushed back uh, Jules designed the whole inner sleeve and um, with illustrations for each song you know in the classic Jules style yeah that was fun yeah that was really fun all the little details and just sort of like yeah just capping it all off in a way yeah I enjoy drawing you of course me yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, he's a Jules is a caricaturist. Well, well not, not really. I'm not, but, I'm not but, one yeah. of those guys down on the pier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, I'm now. always, um, you know, what, what what do you call that? My my uh, extremities are <laughs> extremized. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously, yeah, caricature, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's yeah. It. When you were doing the stuff for the inner sleeve, were you kind of picking a specific image from the song and? turning it into a drawing or were you trying to pick something that encapsulated the song as a whole well uh, that was the idea uh, but I found it a bit difficult so I sort of started out just doing my classic like I draw a lot of cats and animals and stuff so I just did I always sort of resort to that so I started off doing that and but then yeah a bit by you know when you got to the later ones I it sort of I guess I was, it was sort of flowing better so I was I got some sort of relevant imagery in there but yeah, no, mostly it is just animals, just like holding a microphone and that sort of thing. <laughs> it's kind of kind of cute. Do you feel like there are different aspects of yourself that you're tapping into for your drawing than you are to your music? Yeah, you know, I'd say actually it's the no the same things I'm tapping into. I think if I think about it, it's uh, I, I like I love detail, like sort of obsessing over tiny little things, and that reflects in like you know how long it takes me to you know produce stuff and just like you know getting in with the the production side of things so it's kind of yeah it's the same same deal really just like doing little I, d I don't do like sort of messy sort of drawings they're quite you know sort of precise and meticulous if you see what i mean so yeah actually maybe it is just all part it's all sort of the same thing really yeah i mean you could look at a parallel as well between if you're kind of drawing various characters it's kind of the same thing as what the songs are doing, what we're saying where everyone kind of is centered around a specific person. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Do you, you know, that eye for detail you're talking about there, is that something that's changed since you've started exploring it through music or drawing or art in any way? Um, no, I don't think so, you know. <laughs> it's always, always, always been, been a perfectionist. Always been that way, yeah. But you know that can obviously get in the in the way of it, it can actually sort of turn into procrastination. Obviously, so it's you know there's a balance. Procrastination can be quite an important part of the process as well, though. When you kind of get into that space where you're kind of a little bit distracted, and then some interesting ideas come out. That's true. 
That's true. Yeah, Jules was saying something interesting the other day, which I I, I find the exact same thing. It's like um, sometimes the best riffs or chord progressions or whatever have come out when you're kind of half playing the guitar when someone's talking to you or you're listening to something maybe you're watching TV and, and you, you've got the guitar in your hand and yeah you're kind of I guess procrastinating but something yeah. great because you're, you're thinking less exactly when, whenever you sit down to write a tune you sit down and grab a guitar and it just doesn't work or it's just contrived or something I guess but, yeah. part of that is also you're you're probably just more relaxed in that state yeah. you know is there anything you can do to try and cultivate that out with just occurring naturally? Um, uh, that kind of re- relaxed, slightly distracted headspace. I think, hmm. I think I know it's something that Jules does to cultivate <laughs> that. Eh? <laughs> what get eh? really, really high? Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> well, no, actually, I'm I'm recently finding uh, that actually I don't know. It depends. It can be an impediment with with you know with. With communication, certainly. But if you're just doing your own thing. But on a serious note. On a, on a uh, serious note, it's probably more about knowing when to uh, sort of just like leave it, give it a go. And then it's just like, yeah, no, this is this is bullshit. Let's just leave it for today and <laughs> just, you know, try another time. How long will you try? And if something isn't quite working, how long will you go at it for before you just decide to leave it? Sometimes too long. <laughs> <laughs> like um, we're demoing this track at the moment and... Um, there's this solo section and I tried all sorts of different things to get to it. And we spent a whole afternoon just messing around with this like super intricate, like two part guitar solo, like kind of a bit shred, like a bit like sort of Steely Dan vibe. And we just sort of got bogged down so much in the detail. You just, you know, you lose the actual bigger yeah, picture. Going like note by note. Note and by note. And then when we stopped and listened back, it was, it was terrible. <laughs> Absolutely hideous. Yeah. But like, you know, we just we forget what sounds good. Mm. And um, literally just like minutes before we did this podcast, just redid it with, um, with trombone instead. And it just all fell into place. So it's, yeah. That's about about, about arrangement, really. So you wrote it on guitar and then you played it on trombone? Uh, no, I, I had a sort of... The, the Melody-wise, they're, they're different. Um, but with trombone in mind, I did have a sort of vague outline and just fleshed it out with with Charlie, who's uh, who's joined our band recently. But it, yeah, I guess invariably that you just sort of, sort of like hum tunes and just figure it out together, you know? Yeah. You said the melody changed as well. Pardon? Uh, yeah, well, of the, of the solo, really. I mean, I guess uh, you've got to play to different instrument strengths. Change as in accentuating different notes or change completely, like a completely fresh melody? Um, sort of pretty much a fresh melody because there's certain things you, can, you, you can't do on the trombone that you can on the guitar and vice versa. I guess in that case, it was just about uh, figuring out what, what flavor. It's just like different flavors, isn't it? That solo, I guess, was just a different, was the wrong flavor. It was like, if you, you, you know, you'd, if you got like a tagine and you're garnishing it with like the wrong thing, if you put fucking ketchup on it, it's like, what, what are you doing? Someone wouldn't be the worst thing. Yeah. Hey, terrible, <laughs> terrible analogies. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to think about that, that the fact that you can go from guitar to like the other end of the spectrum with trombone, something completely different. Because the thing about the record and the songs and their own is they all feel like they take place in their own little worlds and they're all very cohesive. 
at what point will you start to put down the limitations for like the ballpark of like textures or sounds that you're going to play with? Like, is that song that you're working on today? Is that early on in the process? You're completely changing it up, or well, I guess it sort of reveals itself over the course of uh, you know the recording because it's sort of right through you know whilst recording. But it could be really early on, like in this case, um, because of the rhythm and I don't know. I had it in my head. I wanted it to be like an old '50s sort of tune, like quite Burt Bacharach style. And he's it just so happened that he's got like loads of trombone, and it's just sort of made sense. So once you've made that decision for what you kind of want it to be, will you go back and listen to a lot of that stuff? Oh yeah, obviously there's constant yeah. constant revision. Um, mm. So yeah, that's what always one of the biggest challenges is just committing to an idea and not deviating from it. And but you know, oftentimes the last minute deviations are, are, are truly grateful for, you know, so. And it is usually when you bring someone new, uh, a new set of ears or hands into the mix. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So would you try and develop it reasonably far as individuals before taking it to the other to get that new set of hands in the mix? Sometimes, you know, but now we have like, um, because we have a trombone, player uh, and also our bassist now um, plays the cello fairly well um, it's kind of a new thing uh, bringing in people to play instruments like that up until then it was really just the the bare guitar bass and drums uh, which we could kind of do ourselves but again none of it's deliberate it's just you you, you got to move on from just the one instrument it's yeah you get you get tired of it Mm. You start to feel its limitation, and I guess it just so happens that we have <laughs> these uh, new, new flavors at our disposal. So they're they're the ones that are being used. When was the last time you learned a new instrument? Um, I'm uh, <laughs> sort of teaching myself drums at the minute, not very rigorously, but by just by just virtue of my room being the practice space and having the drums in it, I just just trying to get a bit bit better at that. And it's just about out of a. A feeling I have just a desire to be a bit more self-sufficient you know if I don't have access to Albert you know the drummer I can just lay down a beat and just get on with it have you found it's impacted your songwriting because I imagine if you're just beginning to start learning or you're kind of in the early stages a lot of the beats you'll be laying down will be quite simple yeah yeah they've always been quite simple they've I guess uh, I've never written with rhythm so much in mind but uh, that is that is changing um, and I guess I, I listen out for rhythm a lot more than I used to when I when I hear music. I, I never used to really notice the drums. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm the, I'm the same. I remember when we first met Albert, and he'd always be like, "I love the drums in this song," and I'd be like, "What? Are they drums?" <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You, as a guitarist or a, a, a songwriter, you kind of yeah focus more on the melodies and the guitar and the, and the words. But yeah, I, I would. I, I do find it kind of limiting that neither of us are, are very good at the drums <laughs> and yeah. the nature in, in which we write songs. It's like, uh, yeah, we we've got too many songs with just the same drum beat, you know. Can you play bass? Yeah, yeah, we both can. To to a reasonable degree, I'd say. Yeah. I think everyone's always very blasé about the bass. They're like, well, yeah, of course I can play the bass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so basically everyone can play bass by their own standards. Yeah, yeah. No, I just thought it was interesting what you were saying there about how a lot of your drum beats were kind of similar because I thought that if you'd open, if you, play, if you write the bass for the song, that might have informed where the rest of the rhythm section goes. 
So each song kind of has a different thing going on bass-wise that would then allow the drums to go in a different direction. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, that's what's so good about fleshing out with um, with a real drummer and just other, other people. Where a lot of our rhythmic variation comes from is, is in the bass, which is why you might find that it, that it tends to be quite high in the mix uh, on, the, on the album. That's where we sort of... Uh, yeah, flex our rhythmic muscles as best we can, you know. <laughs> yeah. What um what's the significance of ten thousand six hundred and forty five <laughs> miles? Um it's the it's the distance, the specific nature of which uh, I I won't dis- disclose just to you know, not not reveal everything, but it's uh, it's just like about long, you know, relationships and how distances can get in the way and uh, that sort of thing. Is it the distance between two individual places? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, two two individual people in those places. I just, uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, I don't know what I think. I, I don't think it's really a nice, really it's a nice focal point uh, for, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's for what a classic sort of uh, subject matter to actually focus on the... Uh, yeah, you can't you can't just call the song way. like "Oh, I miss you." I'm so sad. Yeah. <laughs> so something like that. Just yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you follow a song about distance with a song Eddie Murphy, which is kind of touching upon heartbreak. Were they kind of coming from the same narrative in your life, the same story? I don't know. I guess it's uh, like a recurring uh, like perspective that I write from. If you see what I mean? Um, just it's it's just easy to draw from. I, yeah, as you say, heartbreak and and stuff. Those are all things we've all had, and it's like a it's a nice little well of emotion that you can draw from. So it's it's bound to pop up, um, whether it's like the same you know specific uh, you know circumstances in my life. That's probably not the case. Are there any other wells that you find you can often go back to if you're in need of inspiration? Um, well, I I don't know. I've been trying to get away from that. I think I've I've exhausted that uh, particular well of inspiration. I don't know. There's so you can write about anything. Obviously, um, I'm just trying to trying to get better at that. I suppose, and I, I guess that this you know the new storytelling aspect of the last release is like a, a development in some sense. But that's actually that's mostly your songs, to be honest, Overshoot. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, your songs on it are quite like they are still old ones. Yeah, it's you true. Know, they're, the, they're the older ones. Yeah, the new, the newer songs, I guess, are more um, uh, varied in subject matter. Uh, yeah. When when you said that Jules as well that you wanted to kind of move away from going back to those wells a little bit. How do you actually do that? How do you kind of consciously invoke that shift? I probably have a girlfriend that doesn't leave you. <laughs> <laughs> have a Small. girlfriend who's not a bit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, you can't, yeah. Obviously, can't really consciously change these things. It's whatever you're going to write about, whatever. So I don't know. I guess. Uh, childhood is a good one and I feel like that's something I've not explored much until recently I feel like there's a lot you could write about just because it happened so long ago your mind doesn't come back to it too often or yeah and uh, yeah I suppose so I suppose maybe also at a point in my life where I've never really um, you know I haven't really looked I'm starting to look back a little bit I'm not that I'm you know 
old, you know, that old or anything, but I don't know. Hmm. I didn't know that. <laughs> what? Uh, what, that you were starting to write about childhood? Yeah, just this new one I'm doing at the minute. Do you, are you able to identify why you're kind of looking back to childhood a little bit more? God, I didn't, I didn't this is almost feeling a bit like therapy now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so it's just usually it's always uh, like, oh, where did the name Spag Sisters come from? And uh, this is, this is a truly great interview. Though. And uh, if you were, Thank if you. you were an object, what shape would it be or something like that? <laughs> I'll get the Rorschach test out. <laughs> yeah, I really feel like I'm being stripped, stripped down here. Um, I don't know. I just, you know, reaching late twenties, I suppose. Have you always been quite reflective? Like, do you find yourself looking back often, or are you quite kind of focused looking ahead? Uh, no, the first one, definitely. Um, I guess that that suits uh, the job of songwriter. I mean, I yeah, I guess. M- Songwriting tends to be quite a reflective thing. Yeah, absolutely. Although you're never aware of it so much at the time. It's it's a lot of the time you, you sort of read back and you're like, oh yeah, okay, fair. That's That makes sense. But at the time it sort of does feel a bit uh, disjointed. Like you, you're not quite sure how it's adding up. It's uh, quite interesting to see where your mind goes, uh, you know, subconsciously. Yeah, sometimes it's yeah. mortifying. <laughs> You're like, oh my good lord, what the, I better get rid of this. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe one of the reasons, if I may be so bold as to uh, analyze you, Jules. Oh God, uh, <laughs> it continues. No, it's just, um, I, I think um, we've been at such a, it's been so difficult to to conjure up lyrical content um this past year after a certain point you know having yeah. such little stimulus so you have to start digging and digging inwards yeah so personally for me a lot of it has been about uh fear of death you know a lot of uh, mortality oh yeah you stuff. love that i love it i love it um I've spoken about that in the last three podcasts. It seems to be a recurring theme amongst oh, musicians yeah, well, at the moment. Maybe, yeah. you, maybe you just bring it out of us. <laughs> yeah. you got, I got you all nice and quiet in my ear, asking me about my childhood. I wear you down over the course of the interview, so by the end you're just thinking about death. You can't escape yeah. it. Oh yeah. my word. Yeah. Um, I, was, been- I was just going to say it's been a very introspective year in terms of lyric writing you know before I, th- I think we both felt as though that, you, that inspiration comes from people you meet or things you see or just like experiences and when that's lacking yeah you gotta go in can that be daunting oh more often than not yeah I'd say so um yeah I mean it's rare that you'll spend time look you know periods of long introspection and come out with something <laughs> happy <laughs> we're happy people though um, yeah no we really are yeah um, but we're just that's... we're just indulging a little bit a little bit yeah 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 uh, it's not too daunting to be honest Alex but um, it just yeah I guess we both like sad music as well I, I can't think of many happy songs that I love yeah, I thought Hey Ya was a happy song before we started this. <laughs> All right, yeah. The blinds have been lifted. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> we, so we hope to have sufficiently dimmed your outlook on things. 
<laughs> you uh, you mentioned a few moments ago about this idea of you might not be fully aware of what's going on with it in the moment, but then a little bit down the line it adds up and you kind of see it a little clearer in what you're writing about and you see yourself in it. When that happens, does that change the way you then, when you go back to the song, will you develop it in a slightly different direction once you've had that revelation? Personally, no, I, I'd say... Um it's always best to just roll with it. If if your if your brain takes you somewhere, because it feels natural, and you wanna you wanna try and harness that raw uh, feeling. So I th- I always try and just you know go go on autopilot if that makes sense as much as possible. Yeah, like what we were saying earlier about how when you're coming up with a riff and you're not fully focused, it can be the best stuff. Turning off that part of your brain that's analyzing yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just interesting to see. I feel like most great pieces of art might have might have come out that way. Just um, you know, y- yeah, you follow your heart. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say it's it can be a bit difficult, sort of being off the cuff when you're just doing it. You know, in, in your room, just recording track by track. Mm, that, definitely. That is quite a sort of ex- clinical sort of uh, way to make music you're not just in a room with people and you know any, anything could happen then but at the same time it's it's kind of liberating to be alone because you're, you're more at ease to make but to be vulnerable uh you know to i can f- i find it kind of hard to ad lib in front of other people lyrically melodically it's, it's all right but yeah uh, it's quite yeah, easy when you're alone sure. in your room at night yeah that's actually um uh, for me, how a lot of um, subject matters begin, how, you know, one phrase sounds good in the melody and chords that you have, and and then you're like, okay, what does that mean? Where's that coming from? And then you, you build around that. Yeah. Will Shorts, I guess, would have been a an example of that. Yeah, I guess for some reason, thank you, Will Shorts came out and I was like okay let's write a song about Will Shorts I've, I've seen that moment when the, the sort of light goes off in your eyes a bit and and like oh, yeah. and like the, the subject matter reveals itself yeah <laughs> like yeah. when I was it's telling you the other, when I was telling you the other day about Alison yeah about Alison yeah yeah <laughs> do you know do you know about Alison Alex no Alison yeah it's this chemical that's released um, when you crush a, bo- a bulb of garlic or a clove of garlic mm. okay and it just so happens that it shares, uh, it has a, it's a woman's name, you know, so there's so much potential there for uh, <laughs> a song. Yeah. It's funny that you find out about that and straight away your mind's kind of thinking of these lyrical possibilities and the kind of metaphors and things you could do with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that I was, that, that's what, that, that's what was entertaining about that for me. Mm, mm. Is, uh, just, yeah, constantly taking everything through that, that prism. Could it make everyday life a little bit more interesting, though, if you're constantly reacting to it in that way? I guess that's a good way of looking at it. I've I've found myself sort of um, being a bit uh, just disappointed in myself. I can't have like a, <laughs> an, a, a thought, an interesting thought or observation without immediately thinking of how I can try and paste this onto a song or something. Yeah, like why you can't know? you just just be in the moment? Exactly. It's kind yeah. of like having a, a like a selfie stick. Always, yeah. yeah. I like that analogy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I said it, and then I was like, "Does it add up?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's an example Maybe of, so. ju- of your mind just subconsciously doing the work, you know. 
Yeah, man. For you, autopilot. There's a lot to be said for it. Yeah, man. Refer you to Straw Dogs, uh, written by John Gray. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's been a pleasure, guys. Uh, yeah, totally. Truly. Totally, yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.